0: Welcome to the Confident Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Julie Fernandes, a parenting coach, a doctor of occupational therapy, and a mom of three here to support you navigate the oftentimes overwhelming world of young parenting. In this podcast, you will find tips, tricks, and strategies to help you shift your mindset, find your confidence as a parent, and develop ways to truly enjoy your children. After all, childhood doesn't keep. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode. I've named it Project Energy. Can you feel? I'm bringing the energy. I'm running on very little sleep, to be honest. Uh, my 18-month-old has really not taken <laughs> the advice to, to stop waking up. Anyway, that's a story for another day. Um. But I wanted to, I have I just wanted to talk about this because this is something that has always been in the back of my mind. So just a little bit of backstory, I'm really on a quest <laughs> to be the best version of myself because then I think if I'm the best version of myself, I'm going to be a better mom, like kind of automatically, because that is the secret really, a better friend to people, a better partner, just nicer to be around, you know, maybe I'll have more friends and it's really taken me a lot of time and kind of money and energy myself, like to figure out what I need to do to feel my best. And I'm going to be f- primarily focusing today on like food, not so much on you need to sleep eight hours a night. We know those people, or you need to meditate or you need to go on long walks. You need to exercise. Yes, we all know that this, but I'm really talking about more the science of my body and how food affects me and things that I've Found have been helpful, and maybe some of these things would be helpful to you whilst I technically guess I am a medical professional i 'm not ad- i 'm not administering medical advice here, so you know take what will serve you, leave the rest, do your own research, all that good stuff. so I just wanted to give you that little quick disclaimer because this is twenty twenty two uh yeah i mean likely i 'm going to continue on this journey for years to come i mean it's it 's a health journey right it 's never it's never over, but I really wanted to share where, I, where I'm at right now, and you know, maybe in six months' time, do another episode on this and see how we how we going. But yeah, welcome to the podcast. If I didn't say that already, um, we're all on a health sort of journey, you know. So if you're interested in this, keep watching. Uh, some food for thought. See what it did there. Uh, I think I think it'll be helpful. It's something that I've really you know tried to implement in my life, and it has not been easy. So I want to save you that trouble. Uh, So a little bit of background about me, if you don't know me that well, and you might not know this anyway, um, I have been having children for the past eight slash nine years. (laughs) I only have three. I know it sounds like I've got 15. I only have three, but I got pregnant at 30, had my first child at 31, nursed him, had the next one, stopped, stopped nursing when I was pregnant, but... You know, had the next one, nursed her, couldn't stop her from nursing. Um, had a, I wouldn't even say I really had a break, but then got pregnant again three years later, or two and a half years later, and then had another baby, and I'm still nursing this baby. So, I kind of want to put that out there because obviously, being pregnant, postpartum, nursing a child will affect your energy. I do feel like my body is not really like I'm ninety five percent myself, but I'm still. You know, I'm still so lactating, so that means that my hormones are not fully back to normal, which is fine with me. That doesn't really bother me. the The thing that bothers me the most is like the interrupted sleep, and so we've had this roller coaster of sleep. You know, after you introduce a new baby, you're gonna have poor sleep, and then. You kind of get it right and then you introduce another one. And so we're currently at this point where my 18 month old, I know she has the capability of sleeping like a champ, um, but I've been schlepping her around the world a lot and that affects her sleep. And it's just really a habit that she wakes up. So, um, but again, a story for another day. So, so this has been really interesting because this has kind of been my journey taking sleep out of the equation. Like, how do I find energy independent of the sleep thing? Because I can. Work on that, and like even when I was getting regularly like eight hours of sleep or six hours of sleep uninterrupted, I was still having these like crashes and dips and not feeling my best. So, um, this has been a great experiment. So, basically, um, even though I'm kind of been studying the last 10 years now, I feel like I had this problem, this energy problem prior to this. Like, I remember at university, college, but at university. It was, would have been my second year of university because uh, we were doing anatomy and physiology and we would do physiology every morning. I think it was like Monday to Thursdays and it was like a 7.30 or eight o'clock class. I don't actually know when it started. I would fall asleep in that class. Like, and I remember falling asleep in lectures to be fair. And I mean, if you know me, like to imagine me falling asleep in a class is kind of crazy, and I mean i don 't know if I actually fell asleep, but I would like find myself nodding off, which i haven 't experienced as much you know since then um, and i' sure sure as heck was not getting enough sleep, but I also want to talk about what food I was eating or not eating um, but I, you know we was we were in these lecture halls that like were stuffy, there was not enough air and oxygen, they were kind of dark because they would show things on like the overhead projector, talk about dating myself. It was like a perfect sleep environment, perfect. And another episode for another day, but I do believe from my research and just books that I've read and things that, you know, uh, teens and young 20 year olds, and I would have been still a teen at this age 19, 20 years old, we, those teens, they, their circadian rhythms are shifted back. So they go to bed later and then need to sleep later into the morning. But schooling is all about starting at like 7am, 8am. So like I was definitely not getting enough sleep. But I was also doing what every university student does and eating white refined sugary carbs for breakfast. So like, because I didn't have a kitchen, I would eat, you know, oats with warm, with like boiling water, like oatmeal or we in South Africa we eat rusks which are kind of like giant I mean it's essentially like a sweet bread that is uh dehydrated if I that's probably the best way to describe it so the ingredients are sugar butter and flour and some salt and maybe some baking powder I mean and they're kind of crunchy like a biscotti and you dip them in tea just coma inducing food especially on an empty stomach especially if you haven't slept very well so it was just a just a whole nightmare storm of all that kind of stuff. But I I just feel like I have always kind of struggled with this energy crash, not feeling like I had enough. And even as a child, this is odd. I mean, I think it's odd. Here I am judging my childhood self, but I remember wishing that I could only sleep for two hours a night because I felt like I had so much that I needed to do, that I wanted to do, and I just you know I've I have this personality of of desiring to go, 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 and to speak fast and do things quickly and do multiple things at once. Like that is just my my natural tendency. And then I have this counterbalance with like, I can't keep up. (laughs) I feel horrible. I'm still going to push through, but maybe this is just the way it is. And I want to find that sweet spot of feeling like my best. Like What do I feel like when I really I'm optimized. I don't know how else to describe it. So maybe this is something you can relate to. Let me know. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, I have always been on a quest, I feel like, to, to optimize my energy. So I also want to just talk about how I was eating previously. And, you know, this is still very new. So old habits die hard to a degree, but it's been a long time coming. It's like, you know, an overnight success, but it's taken 20 years. So it's that kind of thing. So, I know as an educated person, you know, what foods are not good for you, right? I know, basically, um, in in general, but different foods affect people differently. Like, I typically don't eat a lot of processed foods, but there are things that are considered processed, like, that, you know, um, you wouldn't necessarily like craft mac and cheese or something is a processed food, but even pasta is a po- processed food. You know, what I mean? it's not, it's not how it exists in nature. That's essentially the definition of a processed food. So it's not like I don't eat any processed food, but I don't eat like pop tarts on a regular basis or whatever. I'm just trying to think of things off the top of my head. Um, I basically never eat fast food. I would say pretty much never, maybe once a year, like at an airport because I'm struggling because there's like not nothing else to eat. Um and even then I try and eat like I don't know, um a salad with with like chicken tenders or something. It's still not it's not good for you. I I'm, I'm not I'm not even going to pretend. But yeah, we don't eat fast food like as a family typically. Um and I rarely eat or drink what I would call fizzy drinks, but now fizzy drinks are basically could be any, you know, sparkling water or anything, but what we would call them fizzy drinks growing up, but that's like sodas and stuff. I do actually really like Coke. Um, I do like the idea of it almost more than I when I actually drink it. So I'm a bit, a bit like, I feel a bit like cheap saying that, but it is what it is. So I don't buy it because then I'm going to drink it. Right. Cause it's like, it's designed to be addictive. It has a lot of sugar and caffeine in it, addictive substances. And I like the taste. Um, I'm team Coke versus team Pepsi, right? And then I like chocolate and I like salty things like chips. And again, I just try not to buy them because if I don't have them in my house, I'm just going to have to get over it and not eat them. Um, But we do have like certain sweet treats in our home because either I've bought them for like baking, like we have like these little chocolate chips that I know, somehow they the the amount gets decreases every now and again I think the kids go in there we could let them have like something like a little just sweet thing after after dinner which we probably should cut down on but I'll start with me first before I start implementing all of that and um and then just you know living life sweets and candies and cakes and it just finds itself in it finds its way into your home um and I really have to make an active effort to not have it in my home essentially but yeah so what I don't think I was really aware of is that I was like borderline addicted to sugar but not in the way that you think like not like I'm eating uh, mountains of donuts and I'm putting sugar in my tea or um, sugar on my cereal or even honey in my yogurt or anything nothing like that it was really more refined carbohydrates because those are easy and like those are kind of just, that was like my diet. So like half a bagel with almond butter on it. And I was like, you know, the almond butter is like healthy fats and proteins. It's going to neutralize the, no, (laughs) we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, eating a lot of pasta. Uh, I was on a big sourdough bread kick, which I still really love. Um, and I might get back into it, but it's just like, sometimes it's just, you know, it's overkill. So I wasn't even eating, I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective, but I I didn't even consider myself to be eating large quantities of sugar or things that become sugars. Um, But yeah, refined carbohydrate was my go-to, I will I will say, especially as a Tide mom, like just you have every excuse in the world to eat like crap. Anyway, so I want to talk about some of the changes that I have made and kind of how this whole evolution came about. And maybe this will be helpful for you too. So as I said, I'm always on a quest. I've bought various like nutrition books over the years. I've um, followed certain people online. I listen to podcasts. You know, I try, I, I'm interested in nutrition. I even considered doing like a nutrition I don't know, masters or something at some point. Um, I have the medical background through occupational therapy, but I don't have like, or I mean, we didn't learn necessarily about nutrition, but I do really feel like it's very important. Now I have kids and I have to be just more mindful. Um, but I really did, I really have an interest in it. So it's something that's like pleasurable for me to um, uncover and also it would directly benefit me and my family. So I came across this book called The Glucose Revolution. Uh, so I think I saw someone on... Instagram interviewing the author of this book, her name is Jessie Carpier, I think is how you say it. I'm probably saying it wrong. She's French. She's really impressive. I mean, she speaks like at least three languages that I can tell. And she is a very young biochemist. I mean, I think she's like definitely in her twenties, maybe early twenties at this time. Um, and she speaks about her own discovery of glucose. She was involved in Continuous glucose monitors, which we'll get into. Um, But she has like a biochemistry background. I feel like she's been in the US a little bit, but she seems to travel all over the world. And she has this massive Instagram following um, under the glucose goddess, if you're interested. And so I bought her book and have started looking at these strategies because her approach is very, you know, do what you can. It's not like you have to do this. And I am not someone who can stick to like a strict, regimented, you will never eat sugar again. I need to be inspired to drastically uh, decrease my sugar intake versus being told that I should never eat sugar again. Also, you might not know, but sugar is in so many more things than you think. It's like, it's what the end product becomes. So anyway, um, she kind of enlightened me to this concept of glucose and glycation. And I just want to really briefly paraphrase this. So essentially... um, when you eat something, it is natural, it is normal to have a spike in insulin. So insulin is released from beta cells or beta cells in the pancreas. Uh, They release insulin. Insulin is like the transportation that will take the glucose when you eat it. Glucose is sugar and that can come in various forms. When you eat it, insulin, the body releases insulin. You get a big spike of insulin. So you get insulin like pumped from the pancreas out into the bloodstream to go and get the little glucose molecules. So I kind of think of it as like UPS is insulin and then, um, all the packages have been released. That's what you ate. And it's going to the little trucks are going to go pick up the packages and take them to certain places where they are needed, which is like, you know, the body, the brain relies on glucose to function. It uses up, I think the most per weight in the body. Um, your muscles need it to function. They will zap it up. So if you're using your muscles right after you eat, you're going to like absorb a lot of that glucose, uh, and, um, And then extra glucose gets stored as fat, right? And we are typically an over-glucose, an over-sweetened world. And that's why most of us are probably carrying a few extra pounds. Now, when you are diabetic, um, especially when you are type 1, you no longer have beta cells. I don't know if you're never born with them, but you have, for sure, you can have an autoimmune response um, and reaction often happens in children, but can happen in adults too, where the, the beta cells get knocked out. And so you don't have any naturally occurring insulin and you need exogenous insulin. So that's when people have, which means insulin coming from outside of your body, which means um, you will need to inject insulin um, because you don't have the cells. You don't have the UPS trucks anymore to actually dispose of the glucose. And if your blood sugar gets too high, you can die. And so, basically, what happens every time you have a high blood glucose spike so you have, you eat something that is too sugary and it causes your blood sugar to spike too much so that your insulin can't like manage it immediately you get the, you go through this process of glycation. And Jesse really explains it well. It's like almost like thermogenesis, like burning up of the cells. And it's essentially, Decreasing your lifespan. So I'm not explaining it beautifully, but it affects your longevity. The more spikes you have, the quicker you are aging, and it can happen like in your skin and in your organs and in everywhere in your body. And so, really, you want to stay in an optimum range where you do not have these massive spikes of essentially hyperglycemia. You might have heard those terms and hypoglycemia. Hypo is too low, hyper is too high. You want to be in the sweet spot. You want to be Goldilocks, right? Because you do need glucose, but we are living in a world where we just have so much artificial glucose and we just not evolved to manage it. And so over time, you just keep producing these insulin spikes, insulin spikes, and you can manage it. But as you age, you become less efficient. And that's kind of when you become like a type two diabetic. So that was, I don't know if that was very brief. It probably wasn't very brief, but I hope that explains kind of where we're at and kind of what I have learned about insulin and glucose recently. And I learned all of this in that physiology class where I was falling asleep. Um, but it never really hit home for me until kind of recently. So some of the hacks that Jessie talks about in her book that you could implement even right now, it's like things like food order, having fiber. So like salad, lettuce, carrots, whatever, um, prior to having a high carbohydrate meal because it almost creates like this fiber mesh in your stomach. So you can't absorb the sugar as fast. So that's going to help your body to catch up, like to get those UPS trucks distributed and actually able to take the packages, right? The glucose packages. Um, So food order really, really matters. So she recommends like fiber first, then protein and fat because protein doesn't contain carbohydrate. Fat doesn't contain carbohydrates, it's not going to spike your blood sugar, and it can be used as a different energy source, and it's very satiating, so you're less likely to overindulge, right? Salty foods over sweet foods, or more savory over sweet foods, like you want to be eating like an egg and bacon type of breakfast versus a waffle and pancake type of breakfast, just as an example, insert whatever you want here, because again, the waffles and the pancakes are going to have a lot of sugar in them. Not just the maple syrup you put on top or the powdered sugar, but actually in the actual waffle. And then the, the flour that is in the waffle will also, you know, um, I want to say decompose, but it also gets broken and metabolized into glucose, right? And so that's why bread, pasta, um, pizza, all of these things, rice, all of these things affect your blood sugar, right? Another hack that she recommends if you are going to, if you know that you're going to have like a higher carb meal, like maybe you're going to a birthday party or you wanna buy your, you wanna have a donut or something, is to have vinegar in water 30 minutes before your meal, which is not always possible because like sometimes you want it now and or you, it's unexpected, right? But you can do it whenever. But the vinegar neutralizes some of the acid in your stomach and um, helps with your blood sugar. So 30 minutes of 30 minutes before a tablespoon of vinegar in a glass of water and then you can also go for a walk after your meal because as I said muscles absorb all the sugar so if you go for a walk or do some kind of physical exercise she talks about like cleaning the kitchen doing the laundry um you know washing the dishes after you eat I'm not convinced it's enough personally to keep your blood sugar in check but it also depends how much carbohydrate you're eating um you can also work out before you eat because no one really wants to work out straight after they've eaten because they, they don't feel, you know, they're like full. Um, but that will also ki- get you in this like afterburn after your workout, which will absorb all the glucose. So it's like just dampens the effect of this huge spike. And if you're not sure what it would look like, blood glucose looks like, it's kind of like a big bar graph where you have a mountain that goes up and a mountain that goes down and just these like uh, peaks and valleys, right? And you can really see, it. and you really want like a more steady line. And let me tell you, it is hard to get. I have tried. So anyway, that that's that. Then I started doing uh, weekly weigh-ins just for fun. You know, I was just feeling like I don't need to lose excessive weight, but I would be curious because if you don't track something, you don't really know. It's just you guessing. Um, and I was just curious, like, where am I starting? And if I track my weight over a period of time, how you know what would happen? Does it go up and down? Do I if I'm starting to be more conscious and mindful of the food that I'm eating? Perhaps um I will just I will see a change, and I definitely have, which has been really nice. Um, but yeah, my goal is not to lose weight. My goal is is Project Energy, but. I think the two kind of go hand in hand when you're eating more aligned with your body, you're naturally going to shed extra weight. But again, I'm still breastfeeding, which means I still probably need a little bit of extra fat and extra weight to produce milk. Um, I don't know how much longer I'm going to breastfeed for. I'm hoping to kind of taper off, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I just want to feel good. So then I kicked it up a notch, I must tell you. And I ordered a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor, usually something that only diabetics use, but now they've become really popular. I listened to a podcast and they were talking about it. And it is something that obviously with Jesse and reading the glucose revolution um, and seeing how people... uh track their blood glucose. The only way you can really do it is through a continuous glucose monitor. And now it's kind of available to non-diabetics or people that are not like under the care of a physician. And I was just curious, to be honest. Um, so thought I'd try it, you know, like how people like to life hack. And I have a little friend with me here. So let's just see how this goes. Or I might need to take a little break. Yeah, me, me, me. Uh, so yeah, so I, st- so I ordered a continuous glucose monitor. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was nervous because I was actually just, what was holding me back was like, how much it's going to hurt to insert it really doesn't hurt at all um it's like a thin filament almost like the width of a hair that really goes into what they call your interstitial fluid so i have it on my arm a lot of diabetics will do it on their stomach Um, it's not like a finger prick which does really hurt because i've done that before um and yeah it has been super insightful i'm just going to do it for like you know a month maybe just to get some ideas and because if you don't track something you really just don't know what affects you and what is like the breaking point for you so it's been really really eye-opening and even though i've only done it maybe like two weeks 10 days um actually tracking like now i kind of know what i need to be eating and not eating so yeah so then what was really interesting is that we went away for Thanksgiving. And if you listen to the episode before this episode, before this previous episode, so two episodes back, I spoke about like traveling and getting out of routines and um, I fall off the wagon, that kind of thing. I'll link the episode down below. But we stayed with people that I had never met before that we didn't know very well. And I'm in someone else's house and we're on a little island. So it's not like, I mean, we, there was a grocery store but one and not like, and talk about processed food. It was just like your very typical kind of small town American grocery store that was not designed for longevity. Let's just say, you know, you could get all the good stuff there. All, I mean, not the good stuff, all the delicious stuff. Um, Anyway, I, in retrospect, and I speak about it in this episode, I a hundred percent should have brought my own food. And next time I will, I will bring my own pillow and my own food. Next time we do like a road trip and we stay with people. um, Because I did not have enough food or I did not have the right combination of food or the right like quantities of food and I was hungry. Um, And so I kind of just ate what was ever in front of me and what was in front of me were things like pie and cookies, it's Thanksgiving, you know, and like um, we didn't have chips, but it was just like a lot of carbs. And eventually I was just like, you know what, I'm just hungry and I'm getting hungrier because of the carbs making you hungrier and crashing. And I felt like garbage. I was on this like sugar roller coaster um and i was just like well i'm not doing this anytime soon like you know it's good to really have perspective and see how you feel so yeah so that was really eye opening um and then we came home and i'm like okay i'm going to really like commit to this and i'm going to talk about that in a second another thing that i've implemented and i've done this before but i'm going to try again and be more consistent is collagen powder so collagen powder Um, You know, I guess it's like touted as this like health food because it's supposed to help you with your nails and your hair and your skin and you know because collagen exists in all of these things, but also um, it has naturally occurring protein in it, so it just helps me get more protein in because I was on a diet, I was on like the white carb diet, not getting nearly enough protein for what I need for my body and my muscles and my um, energy needs, and so I feel like hey, it can't hurt to just supplement with like a little bit more and so i do a scoop of protein of collagen powder in a cup of tea and like it does it's supposed to be tasteless it does change the taste but it's not awful like i can still drink it and just do it once a day so i'll link that in the show notes and i got like a good deal on black friday with the collagen so now i have a lot of it so now i have to use it so that'll actually just give me some insight into whether it actually helps because i can use it for like you know try it for like six months or something to really see um, the difference that it can make. I'm also just very mindful of, you know, what I eat, the quantities. As I said, I give myself a lot more protein now than I ever used to before. And I eat it first. Well, alongside with a lot more greens, I feel like the thing about protein, especially as a mom, maybe, and maybe I'm just using it as an excuse. Um, but it just takes a lot more effort, right? Like, you know, eating bread or something that's already prepared it doesn't, you don't have to cook it or anything. Whereas protein, you probably have to cook it or season it, prepare it, defrost it if it's frozen. Um, it just takes more effort, but it's like so much, it's so worth it, right? Just like how going to the gym's worth it in the end. Um, But yeah, it's really, really fascinating. I was finding that with the CGM, I would eat a ba- half a bagel. So I, to me, that's like not a lot. And extra food. So maybe like lettuce, Tuna um, pickles, like you know, just like regular stuff, avocado, and it would still cause a massive spike in my blood sugar. Um, uh, yeah, and it was just like I was like, really, wow, okay. And then I would eat a tortilla or like a breakfast taco because we're in Texas, and th- those are the, those are diamond dozen over here. But I like it because it's like scrambled egg in a little tortilla, and depending on how many of those I ate. I wouldn't have the crash or I wouldn't have the big spike and then the crash. Because even though I was still eating carbohydrates, we're not talking about like never eating gluten again. Because for me, I'm not gluten intolerant or never eating um, refined carbs. It's just like, how many can I eat? And then as another experiment, I went out last night and I hadn't really had dinner before I went out. So I ordered uh, dinner and I ordered a quesadilla and that spiked my glucose. And what was really interesting, so I, we ate late, which I shouldn't have, you shouldn't do, right? But it was just... What what ended up happening? Um, I probably ate that at like 8.30 or 9. Like I ate it over like a long period of time. But I was still awake. Or I I was woken up by the baby at like 11.30 or something like that. And I could feel the spike. And I don't know how to explain it if you've never experienced it. You probably have experienced it and just not known what it is. But it's like this almost tingling sensation in your body, but not in a good way. And it can happen you know, when your blood sugar, it feels different to me. I can almost tell the difference between, um, spiking blood sugar and crashing blood sugar, like crashing. When you feel like hyperglycemic is like, you almost want to faint. You, you also feel kind of like shaky. It's a little bit different. The spiking is like, it's almost like I've had too much caffeine. It's like I'm hyper excite. It's like hyper excitability. It's really, really fascinating. Anyway. So I just know now there's certain things that I need to be aware of and what was also interesting once we came back from Thanksgiving and I really um dialed in the carbs and it was just more I was just more um mindful of them to be honest It, I stopped craving sugar like I stopped craving chocolate and any like even like Fruit, I eat raspberries and those actually don't spike my blood sugar and because they're a little sour and they're not very high in sugar. Um, and so I can eat those and not have this big spike, but like a banana or something, I probably would have a big spike. Anyway, what, I actually stopped craving sugar, which was really fascinating to me. Like I was like, wow, I haven't thought about eating this all day. This is the first time in my life I feel like that this has ever happened to me. And it's not because... I've stopped eating um, like actual candies and stuff because I definitely don't really eat that. It's because I stopped eating massive amounts of carbs and carbohydrates and and bread products and pasta and things. Just, you know, eating a lot, just being a lot more mindful of it. And it really affected me. So it's like really interesting because I never thought I'd be that person. Never really understood that. And I also think I had a bit of a headache uh, for like almost like a carbohydrate headache, I guess like keto flu is kind of what people call it. But it was, it was like only for a day and it was very, it was, it was annoying, but it wasn't like I could still function. It wasn't that bad. So it's just really interesting to see how this all works. So yeah. Um, I want to live a long and energetic life and keep up with my kids, and enjoy them, and enjoy my own life, and do this for me. Honestly, if I didn't have kids, I would still want to be doing this, and I think that's a very important distinction. I'm not doing this for anybody else, but it does benefit other people, and I want to encourage you, if this is something maybe that you need to look into, I think it would make the world a happier place. I think people will be having a, having far less road rage and tantrums if their blood sugar is more stable. So um, yeah, let me know what you think about everything that I've shared. This is a long episode, but I feel like I have a lot to say. And if you want me to do a follow-up, uh, I'd be happy to do that because I could talk about this forever. So I will link all the resources that I have been using in the show notes. If you're curious, and let me know how you're doing. How's your blood sugar today? I'm really curious. Um, also know that I have a new YouTube channel. Uh, I should have probably mentioned that in the beginning, but if you're still here at the end, I really, really appreciate you. I'd love you to go over to the YouTube channel and check it out. Uh, I'll have a link for you. Um, because that is now my new labor of love. Well, it's not a labor of love. It's like, it is a labor of love, but it is something that I really am passionate about and want to um, continue to do. So I put out two YouTube videos every week. So you have a lot of content from me coming out. uh, And I'm excited as we go into this new year to see where it takes us. And takes the business and everything, so um, yeah, please make sure you subscribe. I also offer one-to-one coaching, and I do run group programs. Uh, so if you're interested in any of that, let me know, and we can set something up and just have a call and just chat and see how, how you're doing. So I will leave you with that. Have a beautiful day, week where you know, morning, evening, wherever you are, be mindful of what you're putting in your mouth, and I will chat to you soon.